We begin today with two country musicians, one with a squeaky clean image, and the other, well, will not. You get to consider the question, what is really country? And then you get to judge which of two songs should earn that moniker. I give you a set of rules to follow when determining if someone is truly a Christian. And then we take a peek at Scripture to see, well, how much of a rule follower Jesus is. All on the way to answering the question, what makes a Christian? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. It was April of my freshman year in college, and Barbara Mandrell released a song that hit the country charts. If you're old enough, you may remember it. country when country wasn't cool she was country when country wasn't cool exactly what was it that made barbara mandrell so country well according to the song she was singing she wore jeans flannel shirts and boots which kind of sounds like a quick definition of a hipster wardrobe if we leave it there but oh there's some other stuff she liked listening to country music, and I'm pretty sure those boots were cowboy boots. And those are all things that made her country. Now, David Allen Coe also has a somewhat similar song. Okay, his a little more gritty and certainly warrants probably a warning label before you ever go listen to it. He describes growing up and proclaims, in essence, if the way he grew up ain't country, he doesn't know what is. That ain't country. That song was actually really difficult to find a clip that I could use in the podcast and that wasn't offensive. So according to David Allen Coe, what constitutes being truly country? Well, according to him, at least according to the lyrics of the song he wrote, I would say it boils down to one thing, struggle, being poor dealing with alcoholism, abuse in the home, getting knocked down when you aren't even trying to get ahead. You're just trying to break even for once, struggling just to survive, having a relative who's in jail. Well, those are all things that are country, according to David Allen Coe, which again is interesting because I'm pretty sure there are people living in, say, inner city Atlanta and a slew of other urban areas who would claim their life has many of those elements and who wouldn't consider themselves country in the least. Which in turn brings me to an interesting musical question and then a story. I'm going to play two short musical clips for you, and you tell me which is more country. Now, both are songs that were released on the country charts by artists who, both of them, identify as country. One of these songs was kicked off the country charts, actually, for not being really country. This first song is called Whiskey and Women. Let's go! I'm an outlaw, give me two shots. We don't need a radio, bring a jukebox. For my outlaws, bring me three shots. We can raise hell. 
All right, got it? That's the first clip. Now here's the second song I'm about to play for you, and this is called Old Town Road. Now, you've heard both. Which is your choice as being more authentically country? Is it that first song or the second one? And now to a quick story. It was 2019, and there was a new young musician who had a song that was garnering a great deal of attention. The song was initially placed on the country charts because, well, that's how the musician defined himself. But eventually, it was removed from Billboard's Hot Country Songs because, well, because it wasn't country enough. Matter of fact, their exact statement when they made this decision was, quote, while Old Town Road incorporates references to country and cowboy imagery, it does not embrace enough elements of today's country music to chart in its current version. Now, the song we're talking about here was the second song you heard and is as you just heard, Old Town Road by Lil Nas X, and it sparked quite a lively conversation. It certainly had elements of country music. I mean, the song has a banjo playing in the background for Pete's sake. On the other hand, it also clearly borrows some elements from rap that emerge later in the song. And of course, the artist is black and gay, which no doubt contributed to the pushback on this song being country. The point of this introduction is to raise an interesting question that has, well, it actually kind of has religious and spiritual significance as we continue our discussion. And the question is, who decides what country is, what country really is? And the spiritual and religious relevance is simply this. There's a similar faith question. Who gets to decide what constitutes a Christian? Quite a few years ago, my wife went to work for a Christian professional organization, that offered to support and encourage people in the medical profession who were Christians. As I understood it at the time, it was an organization that was not so much about teaching, say, doctors to proselytize through their practice, but it was more intended to help them use their faith to be the best doctors they could be, which seems like a very noble and worthy goal. And Sarah was very excited about going to work there. Now, in reality, it turned out to be a far more conservative, Christian conservative organization than she expected. Now, if you're conservative, this is not an episode of conservative bashing. Hang on, because the thing I'm getting ready to criticize is easily found on the other end of the spectrum as well. This is just the story that I happen to know. One of the things that Sarah discovered was that there was a lot of denominational bashing within this organization Frequently, email prayer requests would be sent through the office, as you might expect in a religiously based organization. But what might surprise you is how often they said something like this. My sister got married last week, and I'm seeking prayers for her new husband. He is Catholic, and I'm asking prayers for him to see the light, find Christ, and become a Christian. Now, it wasn't always Catholic. It could easily have been any number of denominations plugged into that place, my own, the Episcopal Church, being certainly amongst them. But there was, within this organization's staff, a lot of clear assumptions as to who can rightly be called a Christian and who can't. 
Now, the reason I say that this is not just a conservative way of speaking or thinking is because you'll often find liberal Christians who say the same thing just from the other side of the spectrum. I often see posts on Facebook that say something like, this politician goes to church and claims to be a Christian, but he can't because he voted for X. It's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, in the end, what does make someone a Christian or not? What is the deciding process that helps us know who is actually a Christian and who isn't? Well, I guess if we want to figure this out, first of all, we need to do a couple of things. Let's see what other people say. So I I went online as part of my research to kind of see what other people were saying. And here's a distillation. This is no particular person's set of guides, but here's a distillation of what many people believe is necessary in order for someone to be called a Christian. And I'm basically going to give you four rules. Rule number one, you must profess Christ as Lord and Savior. Rule number two, you must live a pure and holy life, a life well without being soiled by the sin of the world. Rule number three, you kind of need to watch who you hang out with to be sure that you are able to follow rule number two. Rule number four, you need to do more than profess Christ. You need to be successful in following Christ. Now, these aren't all, but these are generally considered by lots of people. What is necessary to be a follower of Christ? Now, it seems the next place that we should go is to the Bible. If we want to see who gets to be a Christian, which is nothing more than a name for people who follow Christ, then we probably should look at the one who all of these people are following. So let's look at what Jesus seems to say about this. There was no form of sinner in Scripture in New Testament that was more notorious, more hated in the community than the tax collector. And one such man we actually know by name, Zacchaeus, Now, Jesus was coming to town, and Zacchaeus was short, so he needed to climb a tree in order to be able to see Jesus as he passed by. Well, I don't need to tell you this story. Let's just listen to the story as it's shared in the Bible. This is Luke 19, 1 through 10. He, meaning Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Now, there's an interesting myth in modern Christianity that one has to profess faith, live a righteous life, and then you are a Christian. But that's not really borne out when you read Scripture. What makes you a part of God's flock? Is it the act of committing yourself to following Christ, or or is it God creating you, loving you, and calling you to follow God that's really the deciding factor? Is your being part of the group 
ultimately determined by you or by God? Does Jesus get the final word as to who is a Christian, or, or do we, do we kind of get to add our own restrictions that supersede his intentions? Notice that Zacchaeus, the notorious sinner, had not had any sign of transformation when Jesus looks up at him and announces that he wishes to come to Zacchaeus' house. It was after Jesus' invitation that Zacchaeus had a change of heart. There are those who would have us believe that we need to change our ways and then, and only then, will God welcome us in. But the Bible's pretty clear that time and time again, Jesus offered the invitation well before any transformation occurred. The order of things is always invitation and then transformation. Now, if you ever find yourself wanting to say that someone can't be a Christian because of some aspect of their life that you consider to be beyond the pale, just remember, those words are not of God. Yeah, but what about this particular issue? Or what about this particularly offensive behavior? Doesn't that exclude someone from being Christian? Well, again, we turn to the Bible, the book of Matthew, where people have the very same question. In a different instance, in Matthew 9, starting verse 10, it says, As he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now let's go back to our original question. Let's go back to our first source and hear some more of the words from Barbara Mandrell's song, I Was Country When Country Wasn't Cool. She says towards the end of the song, I'm just glad we are in a country where we're all free to choose. And in truth, in my opinion, if you want to call your music country, no one should have the right to stop you. And Christianity? Well, we're all free to choose. No one has the right to tell anyone if they're Christian or not. Part of the problem is that we often treat the Christian faith as if it is an achievement rather than an intention. Declaring yourself to be a Christian doesn't mean you have arrived. It means you've committed yourself towards trying to live your life with a goal, the goal of following Jesus Christ. And no one gets to say otherwise. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. <laughs>